Ahoy, fellow music enthusiasts. And welcome aboard the Joy of Trek, a connected podcast exploring the status reports and private conversations of Star Trek. All, all of it. it. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And starting a Klingon boy band is your chief engineer, Greg. Together, we're on a mission through the subspace folds of Star Trek to find the I Want songs in every crew lounge and the excellence in every episode. Even the heartbroken lieutenants. Because every episode must be someone's favorite, and it might as well be us. It's fading out a bit quick. So practice your scales and join us as we tap dance into... The the Joy Joy of of Trek. Trek. Sorry, that was on me. (laughs) I I missed my cue. (laughs) We'll get it next time. (laughs) Hello, and thank you for joining us again for... Uh, you probably have guessed it already. Strange New Worlds, episode 209, Subspace Rhapsody. Oh, first aired on August 3rd, 2023, before this show started. And I mean, honestly, when I saw it, I like this just felt like it was made specifically for us. In a certain way, yes. I mean, I, I picked it last week uh, as a uh, the candidate for today's thing because I was a Strange New Worlds on the docket. And we haven't actually received any recommendations for any Strange New World episodes from any of our listeners. My boyfriend being a famous musical hater, ah, yes. uh, I was hoping to get a good quote <laughs> out of him uh, regarding this episode. And I think the best I got from him was it wasn't entirely terrible. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but he sat through another... We watched it like when it more or less when it originally aired. But he sat through with us to watch it again. I think he spent more attention to the cat than he did to the episode. I noticed, which I appreciate. Because that way I could really, really focus on the episode, which was amazing. It was amazing. Written by Dana Horgan and Bill Volkov, although they weren't the lyricists and composer, obviously Jeff uh-huh. Russo, the musician, was involved. Oh, Greg, can I get a quick correction on the musical credits? Yes. So Jeff Russo did do the music for the show. However, for the music numbers, that was done by Tom Polche, who is a composer for CBS, just a staff composer, and Kay Hanley, who is in the band Letters from Cleo. I also just want to say that the choreography was done by Oscar winner Roberto Campanella, who worked on What We Do in the Shadows and The Shape of Water. So really great cast behind the scenes on this. Thank you. And directed by uh, Dermot Downs. Dermot Downs also directed the duet episode of The Flash, which saw Supergirl and The Flash forced to sting to battle the music meister. Mm. So he'd done one before. Okay. And I read an interview with Henry Alonso Myers yeah. and uh, Akiva Goldsman, senior producers and executive producers on this uh, this show, about how this, this episode came together. And, like, I learned it originally, like, it started with an idea for Picard, Okay, they wanted to do a musical episode for Picard? Yes, because Michael Chabon, the showrunner and the famous novelist, he said at one point, hey, I know Lin-Manuel Miranda, you know, the, okay. the amazing uh, musical writer. Uh, you probably know him from Moana. He also played a role in oh, yeah. Mary Poppins Returns, First Blood, Part 2, Pick in the City. <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> obviously, Hamilton, Hamilton, Hamilton. Uh, and then uh, Lynn didn't call back, and so that didn't happen. No, that's okay. So they went and did it for uh, Strange New Worlds. Which was quite a sort of a remarkable feat, because it started off with, while Strange New Worlds is very episodic, it's yeah. designed to be accessible, mm-hmm. the seasons are broken down in completion for character arcs before adventures are written. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Right, and so all these character arcs and the important ones, we're going to delve into them, which is Laan's relationship with another version of James Kirk. And yeah. this is the spoilers for season two of Strange New Worlds. Of course, but yeah, spoiler warnings always apply. <laughs> yep. 
Christine Chapel and Spock's feelings for one another and their mm-hmm. complicated little relationship, Christine's career goals, the relationship between Captain Pike and Captain Battelle, yeah. Uhura's sort of sense of isolation. Like all of these things were sort of supposed to come to a head in episode nine. And then somebody said musical episode. And, <laughs> and they're just, I mean, they made it work. I mean, it is actually the first time that uh, Star Trek did a musical episode. There's yeah. like never been one. Although there was talk about it at some point, but it never actually happened. Darren Mooney said, who was writing one of the rights for The Escapist, said that it, this episode fits firmly within the show's nostalgia for the 1990s Aww. and was easier to admire on a technical level than it is to enjoy as a satisfying piece of television. Hey! <laughs> yeah. Faulting the absence of a sense of stakes or a sense of momentum. To be honest, like the reviews are fine. It's got a hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh wow! With only well, only nine reviews, but still. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, for a television episode, yeah. you know, television episodes don't get that many uh, no, uh, very reviews. Good, very good point. Yeah, pretty remarkable. Like it, it got its own like release poster. What oh. a glorious shot it was. It looked yeah. like the sound of music. <laughs> Subspace Rhapsody. I, and I, I must say, I loved the a cappella version of the uh, intro. Uh, that, that was. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of ironic that, like, the first time that we actually played our own theme music live yeah. in our universe, it much is. in the way that this is the first time that they, the Star Trek theme music by Alexander absolutely, Courage... Absolutely, because it is canonically a part of the... Uh, they, they hear, hear, they hear the music, so yes. <laughs> so it's a little bit like that one scene in Battlestar Galactica when at one point there's a fade-out at the end of an episode. I don't remember which one it is, but like uh, some guy, some janitor is like sweeping the corridor and he is whistling Whoa. the original Battlestar Galactica theme. Oh, yeah. Well, in, in the reboot, that's used as colonial anthem. Like in the miniseries, oh, when, oh, the, uh, mm-hmm. when the Vipers do the ceremonial flyby yeah. for the decommissioning of Battlestar Galactica, there is a little brass band playing the original theme. Oh, I, I completely missed that. Yeah. Time for another rewatch. Yeah. Yeah, it's been 20 years. I know. I've been trying to like, convince my other half to uh, start watching that series. So Henry Alonzo Myers also said the only middle of the night thing I remember having about this episode was waking up and thinking this shouldn't be a funny episode. Mm. This should be an episode that breaks your heart and makes you want to cry. And that's completely right. Mm -hmm. And this episode resonated with a lot of people because as it says here on my screen in this script under the title X, which I think is because your cat spent a little time oh, sitting on my what? tablet. <laughs> yes. X, which I think originally sent recommendations. I went out on Twitter and I went out on Telegram and I asked some people for what they thought of this episode. And let me tell you some of these responses. Please do. So from David Moody from Let's Talk About Treks, an excellent podcast. He's one of the coolest people I've ever been on a Zoom call with. Oh, Let's Talk About Treks recently had an interview with Christopher Derrick. Mm -hmm. He's a writer for Star Trek Picard, which is mind blowing. It's really, really good. Okay. Anyway, so he says, I'm compelled to play this album at least once a week. It is inspired and inspiring, clever and silly, and is the Star Trek episode for which I was waiting without knowing it for decades. (laughs) Although I could have done without the high-pitched Klingons, he says. Well, uh, you know, different tastes for different people. From Shadows at the Door, our friend Mark Nixon. Yeah. It is perhaps the single greatest moment of joy to come out of Star Trek, barring Moopsie, of course. (laughs) Do you know what Moopsie, Moopsie? is? Yeah, you I don't know, know that yet. I, know, I don't know Moopsie sounds dead. It You're sounds not familiar. up to date on Lower Decks, bud. Oh, right. Sorry, I was confused with uh, what's the slug thing from... Uh, Murph. Murph. Sorry, that's what I was thinking of when you said yeah, Moopsie. Well, yeah, I okay. that. The Scorch, 
an account on Twitter which does excellent uh, Star Trek stuff. It pushed the boundaries of both the strange and the new. Love it. Yeah. Lauren Rivers, who's recommended episodes to us before, Nepenthe from Picard. Yes. I pretty much jammed the soundtrack in my car for two weeks straight. Knowing Lauren, that's understating it a little bit. I think she's still jamming that soundtrack (laughs) in her car. It probably comes up regularly in her uh, playlist. From Tempo, who is a writer and a performer of... Just go to YouTube and type in pop lift, as in uplift with, okay, with pop. right. It's adorable. It's, it's, it's this... I, I, I can just now just imagine someone lying on their back on a workout bench and you're doing bench presses <laughs> with, a, with a puppy in each arm. <laughs> okay, you might find that too, but you'll also find, you know, like Larry Niven's uplift novels. Yeah. It's a series of instructional videos helpfully put together by sentient dogs explaining things from canine perspectives. Okay. And it's really, really sounds, great. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Who says, only Star Trek has the correct mix of sincerity and wacky space nonsense to make a musical episode work. If you want to get someone into or back into Star Trek, this is the best episode to do it with, I find. Okay. That's high praise. We're not done yet. Okay. Open Pike Night, another podcast. (laughs) No other live-action Star Trek show could have pulled this episode off, let alone with such a balance of fun and plot. Mm -hmm. Sandra Ross on Twitter, no holodeck to get lost in during these times on Star Trek, so strange new worlds get to create and discover realities to explore as one with musicality. Yeah, that is right. There's no holodeck there. Yeah. Oh, also on Twitter, Jerry, my six-year-old girl watches it on repeat in the same way my sister watched Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh. It's going to be a cultural touchstone for generations. Oh, God. Solomon Harry's I Love Musicals, Resolute, of all the episodes of Star Trek, it might just be the greatest one ever. And Zach. Yeah. Our chief engineer's brother. Yeah, uh, yeah. Greg, would you like to read Zach's screed of support? Strange New Worlds shouldn't be so good with only 26 episodes over two seasons, but it really has hit its stride in a way that the Berman Air Treks never did in the early seasons. Strange New Worlds gave me hope for the future of Trek in the way that I enjoy it. Trek is best as an ensemble with thinly veiled sci-fi parables, or in the case of Substace Rhapsody, a campy masterpiece. It shouldn't work. I shouldn't have felt unabashed joy when I saw the promo and then the episode, but they do the concept, as ridiculous as it is, justice. This is, I should note, a franchise with a floating hand in space and Q. The joy of Trek should just do every episode of Strange New Worlds. They are all instant classic. Zach, I appreciate well, that. Thank That's you. <laughs> not exactly how recommendations work. Just do all of them. Just do them all. <laughs> So to that, I'd like to add the plot summary for this episode by Winter is Coming. After the Enterprise is hit with a shockwave from a negative space wedgie, the crew all begin spontaneously breaking into song. (laughs) Oh, wow, yes. We really need to get better at, like, doing the synopsis at the start. We expect people to know which episode it is. And for this one, I think that's legitimate. You know, it's the musical episode. Either you, you have it memorized or you don't know it at all. All right. Let's get in with it. I say we eject the warp core! Okay, now think about this. You know you're on a budget, right? Yeah. You get to have one more than I do. Okay. And also, I had another thought. I only have two, really. Yeah, that's... So I'm, I think I'm good. Oh. Let's hope that I can find one. <laughs> yeah. Because I've had a look back at our previous, like, warp core yeah. dumps. We started in Spock's brain. Yeah. Where we were like, hmm... This episode is, like, hugely sexist, and yeah. that's the thing that we need to deal with, right? So That's not a war corporate show. That's how we started. Oh, okay. Like, we have to talk about how f- sexist this episode is, and now that we've said that, then we can move on. But other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you enjoy the play? Right. And it's devolved into, 
Harry said something a little scientifically inaccurate. Sh- I mean, I could have sworn that we started off with... Uh, oh, well, about the... Ne- oh, you're, you're actually right, yeah. We wanted to get the negative things about the episode off. Exactly. And, and it, yeah, it has turned into a little bit of, like, this and that space. Yes. Okay, so... But it's more... In- and, I, and I do have, like, some other new headcanon regarding warp cores, which this oh, episode led me to, yes. I will get there. Okay. Oh, uh, <laughs> exciting and enticing mystery. Little clues for uh, me to follow. Yes. I mean, okay. So, well, if we, if we go on that point, then I really don't have... If I just, like, have to let the technicalities out, then I don't have any... Uh, uh, oh, okay. Now I've ruined something beautiful in the world. Okay. No, you can... Okay. Well, it's, they're not warp cores, then, but you can vent a little plasma. How okay. about that? Uh, all right. Look, can we start with the opening shot, really, where is uh, where oh. Uhura is at her switchboard. Yes. And apparently there is, like, all the computational power is needed to analyze... The this subspace rift that they found, and therefore Uhura needs to manually redirect all traffic through the computer. So she's using the computer to redirect data traffic, and this is saving computer power? Yeah, apparently. Okay, just, like, it seems a bit weird. Well, because otherwise they're asking the computer, like, connect me to this and that, and then that takes, you know... But the computer is still connecting this and that now, but now there's a human being pushing the buttons. No, I mean, maybe it's the sort of language interpreting facility. Like, they've got a a highly advanced, you know, co-processor that's really, really excellent at linguistic interpretation. And they need that one for the, you know, the signal analysis, because it's it's so good at it. Yeah. Okay. You, eh? Yeah, okay. All right. I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> oh, oh, yuck. <laughs> uh, and that's, well, I'll, I'll leave the other one then. Oh, go on then. I know you want to. <laughs> Apparently, signal propagates three times faster through the rift, and that means that if they can channel that, they will have instant communication. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> I mean, it's a sales pitch, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you know, because I, I, know, I know the scene you're talking oh, about. Oh, what? Sorry, one more. Oh. We have to analyze the frequency of the song. A song does not have one frequency. Oh. Doesn't it have... Doesn't, like... I don't think you know what a frequency is. I, I do know what a frequency <laughs> is, thank you. But a frequency is ultimately just a number, right? Well, a frequency is a certain amount of hertz. Yes, a number. Yes. Right, because we have as a baseline, yeah. we all know that we all agree on the length of a second, and then there's a number of pulses within right. that, and yeah. that's the frequency. So it's essentially yeah. just a, a number, and any span of time which contains any number of pulses, which may consist of multiple patterns. But well, the, I mean, it, like that the whole point of songs is that they have multiple frequencies, yes, preferably but, harmonics. Right. Yeah. And isn't it possible, like, that there's a formula to sort of Oh, yes, but that, now we're talking about, like, then, then you have a, uh, whatchamacallit, you, you could possibly describe the waveform of an entire song as a formula, but that wouldn't make it a frequency. But is there, like, a dominant frequency? That's an entirely different question. Also, no, you're right. Why am I arguing with this? <laughs> it, is, it is a silly thing. It doesn't matter. Um, All right. I mean, they, they sort of just, like, you know, said the, the, the triaxillating oscilloscopy yes. frequency and just add a whole bunch of, oh, yeah, okay. Yes, so it's like there's roll, a, roll, five, roll 5D20 for, a, for Technobabble. But look at this opening shot. The Enterprise is hanging out in front of this amazing sort of, I mean, it looks like spatial lensing. There's a great big spatial thing in space. And that's where the Enterprise is. They found, yes, a, they they found, found a spatial... Zipper, a, space a subspatial zip. thing in a sub, space. A, a subharmonic wedgie. 
Yep, because the computer is occupied with Mr. Spock's experiment because yep. he believes that this can be used to accelerate the subspace relay network. Yep. And Uhura is left to be essentially like a telephone operator. Yeah, old style connect the plugs, except digitally. On it. I'll route that right to you. The new first officer of the Farragut is about to beam on board, and number one wants to know about that. And yes. Captain Pike wants to know whether Captain Patel has gotten in touch, and Nurse Chapel wants to know whether Dr. Corby has gotten in touch, and please let me know, yeah, routing... Because I need the results of my application. And you can see, like, the stress that, that Uhura's under, and you can see her very professionally going, oh, wait, hold on, this is getting a little bit too much for me. And she takes a breath, mm. cracks her knuckles, gets back to it. Yep. Instead it's of, the kind of stress that, that she seems to thrive under. I mean, I, I know that feeling very well. It's like there's long-term stress about things that you don't have control over and there's short-term stress about this is a job that needs to be done right now and I can do this and I can do yeah. this with my ability. And that's the fun kind of stress to be under. Like, yes, exactly. That's good pressure. Not, you know, it, it's stimulating. Not ex- existential like, dread. Yes, exactly. For, for those of us with a uh, short-term hyper-focus as a superpower, <laughs> yeah. that's really excellent. It's, it sort of reminds me, and I think you applied for that job at one point, air traffic controllers, yes, I did. right? Yes, I wasn't hired because I was too nice. I wasn't aggressive enough. And that's when you flipped the table... <laughs> I, should, I, 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 to- I totally should have done that, yes. I don't know if that would have gotten you the job, though, if you no. like, yeeted a chair against just, the window. I, I suspect I should have been more proactive about it, because like, I went for, for the interview. I'd, I'd already passed all the technical tests and all the mm. psychological tests, and uh, that was fine. Then I went for the actual interview at the airport, and then like you know, a week later, I still hadn't heard back from them, and I probably should have been more proactive about like chasing up on that. Like, hey, how, what, how's it going about that? Uh, the results of that interview? Uh, I, I oh. suspect that might have had something to do with it as well. Wait, you think that was like a live test to, to see whether you'd, you know, if a plane hasn't checked in when it's I, in the holding I, I pattern? I suspect it well could have been, yes. You know, wow. It's like <laughs> <laughs> so Marie Battelle comms Captain Pike while he's getting his shoes on. Mm-hmm. You want to go to Creville for a first vacation together? Oh, why don't we go to this place, which is so touristy, and all those nice little things that they have. You can go to the lake, and we can go to the museum. And we can... <laughs> she has all these great ideas. And one of them is like, and there's day trips to the lake. I know you love a lake. Yes. <laughs> Look, that's the thing I know about. I know you're, hey, that, that, that Chris Pike, he's just crazy for lakes. She just said there's horse riding. Oh, yeah. Uh... Because that's the thing that captains do. I know, but it's, it's different from like mounting your your horse that you have, you know, a relationship with and going to essentially a dude ranch, which is what she's... Sure. Then again, that was fine for Picard. You know, it's like, oh, there's horses. Let me grab my saddle. Oh, yeah, but he just really didn't want to go to that party by, <laughs> well, <laughs> by Commander Hutchinson, which I recently rewatched with a bunch of other podcasters on the Unplanned Trek podcast, uh-huh. a, a live rewatch of Starship Mine. And this dude that they're also terrified of... All he does is just throw a party. Yeah. And they're all being incredible dickheads to About him. it, yes. I guess he's... Mocking shunned. him behind, yes. his, behind his back and then to his face, which yeah. is awesome. Meanwhile, uh, yes, Captain James T. Kirk is about to... Oh, sorry, not Captain. He's still lieutenant. lieutenant at this point. Okay, yeah. so that brings me to actually something else that I noticed yeah. during this episode. For the moment there, like, might as well talk about it now because it doesn't matter at what Hell point yeah. it's brought up. I was just, like, sitting there and I just realized they don't have, like, the rank insignia pips. And then I noticed, like, oh, wait, but they've got bands on around the their sleeves, wrists on, yeah. on the sleeves. And then I noticed that they're wearing different communicator badges. 
Yes, because like, like I, I managed to identify four symbols. One of them is like a starburst, which seems to be on command level uh, staff. Very good. Then there's like a Q-shaped thing, which is like rotated a little bit, a somewhat spiral, which is what Uhura wears. Then there's a double circle, which is on Spock. Yep. And a single circle, which well is done. on I don't know who wears that. I'm, so I'm, is that also a rank-related thing, or is that? Yes. Is these that are leftover. Look, your observation is incredible. I'm I'm so excited to be able to share this with you because you're, you're completely right so those double circles interlocking like two rings over overlapping yeah that's science division the sort of hook shaped one is engineering okay kind of related to the color of the uniform but not completely no it is okay you may be confused because red in uh, the 23rd century is the color of command mm. but so Uhura wears red but that's an engineering color right yes no I know uh, that and so she's because I mean Pike and Kirk are both wearing yellow Exactly. Uh, They're in gold, and, and, uh, yeah. and that's the star emblem. Yeah. So this sort of harks back to... I mean, the original, it was intent- intended that every ship had its own... Uh, uh, kind of. Even, badge, even right? that no. wasn't that consistent in no. the original series. I think it's, it's generally agreed upon that the Delta was intended to be the symbol for... Starfleet. The organization, Starfleet, right, yeah. or the United Earth Space Probe Agency, yeah, yeah. or the Federation, or like whatever, <laughs> to sort of combine it. But there were different symbols on different uniforms mm-hmm. uh, at different times, and then you had a Commodore of a space station. Right. But how excellent. Yes, really well noticed. <laughs> and then TNG added the pips for the... Uh, yeah, on the collar, so yeah. that you could see it when people get a close-up of their yeah. face. <laughs> So, yeah, after I, I, I noticed that, I spent a while during the musical numbers trying to figure out how this worked, and I noticed the bands that you see, like uh, like you see on pilot uniforms, the, the rank insignia, if it's like two, three stripes, very subtly done. It's kind of like a band of slightly more shiny material than the rest of the uniform, I noticed. Very, yeah. uh, very cleverly done. So, yes, we have the first officer is operating the transporter. Well, she's welcoming Lieutenant Kirk aboard, yes. who is coming over for... Remedial training. Remedial <laughs> Interesting. It's, it's pretty much said. Lieutenant Kirk's captain sent a report in advance of his arrival. Show him the ropes. Kirk's full of talent, but still has one or two issues to work out before he begins his commission. Correction, correction. No, at this point in the series, he has been promoted to first officer. Right. A promotion that's to go in effect in a few months. Oh, okay. Right, before, while the previous first officer rotates out. But that's yeah. all, like, he's received that promotion. And so, like... The date where he takes over as first officer has already been set, and now okay. there's an opportunity for him to do a rotation on the Enterprise, shadowing another experienced first officer. Okay, and that's what he's doing. But yes, and yet he hangs out with the security officer almost the entire episode. Well, because a crisis <laughs> happens, yeah, yeah, he was yeah, supposed know, to be I, following I know, around <laughs> Una, whom he thanks. Okay, well, to me, it, it, it sounded like there's some areas that need work, and uh, yeah, yeah, wh- whip him into shape a little bit. The unnamed captain of the Farrick. Like, they, they only talk about Lieutenant Kirk's captain. Oh, yes. Um, but Una has noticed that Laan has walked in with... <laughs> oh, well, I need, to, I need to do a security clearance on him. <laughs> it's just like, oh, no, you have an energy. Like, yeah. hey. But you came in here hot, on fire. It's making me sweat. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, she definitely has the pre-hots for him. Well, I mean... For the for the other Kirk, as we later, uh, you know, as, as she later professes to him, she's so confused. Uh, like when she when she says, "Yeah, I have to do security clearance on him." Oh, lead the way, says Kirk when he's right. Yeah. And then she goes <laughs> walks off in the wrong direction. Yeah. And she says, "Sorry," and yeah. she walks back like wolf. The- yeah, <laughs> oh, it's okay. Uh, Nurse Chappelle is uh, Chapel. Chapel, sorry, yep. yes, is waiting on the results of her 
scholarship or whatever it is, the, the fellowship, that's the word I was thinking. With uh, Dr. Corby, apparently yes. a name from uh, the original series. Yes, uh, I have something on that. Uh, hey, I was going to do the production trivia I, I and know, you were going to I do know, the... But there, 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 I, I did come across something on that. As for Spock and Chapel, we know from the original series that Dr. Roger Corby, who she'll be interning with, is her ex-fiancée. Ooh. And it seems that we're built... Oh, so yeah, this is like from The Winter is Coming Again. It seems that we're building to a bust-up between the two, so bad that she nearly marries someone else and he rejects human emotions forever. And you thought you had bad breakups. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Bring on season three. Yes, please. But yet here she's just fretting over it while yeah, she's, her... Uh, the letter the has come and she's not... Yeah, she doesn't want table, to open and it. She's like, she keeps trying to touch it and sort of backing away. Ortegas and Menga are there and they're just letting her... I, I love Ortega's butch haircut. It's... Yeah, she's got a great haircut. <laughs> I know, right. It, reminds, it actually kind of reminds me of a... Uh, it's, it's not really a joke, but it's something like someone commenting on uh, someone on social media at some point. It's like, my dad thinks that my sister is a lesbian. She just dyed her hair blue, but he doesn't know the difference. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we should point out that as gentlemen who grew up in the 90s, like... We know this as a butch haircut because it was popular among butch lesbians yes. and, uh, and women, which is something that... It looks really Melissa good Melissa Navia, let me just get that okay. out there. She identifies as queer. She's had straight relationships. Oh, okay. She's widowed of a husband, regrettably, recently. Oh, that's a shame. And, uh, in recent years. She's pretty vocal on the social media. Uh -huh. And yes, often gets misidentified as, oh, yeah, the, 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 the butch lesbian on, <laughs> okay, the, on, right, the, on yeah, the ship, yeah, yeah. which is not... You know, Strange New Worlds is not a very queer show, honestly. I guess not, no. For all the sort of inclusivity of Star Trek as a whole and how uh -huh. incredibly gay and queer Discovery was, like, all the relationships are hetero. Yeah, I guess. So uh, regarding that, like a, a colleague of mine uh, a couple of months ago... Uh, after I hadn't seen her for a while, and she 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 had like a, on one side of her head a really short a short shave in her as uh, is her the face. fashion at this time. So I, I commented like oh, that, that looks really good on you. It's like that's a good that's a really good look for you because I genuinely thought so. Turns out that she did that to uh, encourage her kid who was uh, also had to have the side of her head shaved because uh, the kid was getting a cochlear implant. Uh, oh, <laughs> and just yeah to be. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of. Yes. So yeah, she done. But yeah, I, I had no idea at the time. So I just like commented, like, "Wow, that's a really good look for you." Like, it looks. It looks I mean, really that's good. the point, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. You but... know, save the Sunday. You had to show off that it, that it looks cool. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had the head for that. I've got big old sticky out of ears uh, thanks to my granddad. You got it. I knew it. What <gasps> <laughs> will I do without you for three months? I love Ortega and Mbenga. Mm. Like they're such bro. Actually, this whole trio. Whoa. These three people are war vets. Yeah. And everybody else on the ship is not. No, I suppose. Yeah, because yeah. the Enterprise was largely kept out of the fighting. Yeah. But they've been through the shit. So, yeah, of yeah. course they're bros. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. In engineering, there is some discussion about what we're going to do about uh, this thing. Nothing we've tried has worked. We've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. Uh, no, that's not true. <laughs> we've tried everything, but I and I don't know what her name is. The Pelia. Pelia. Commander yes. Pelia, the Lanthanite chief engineer yes. as of season two of and, the next And we also knew from the time travel episode. <laughs> She's amazing. And she says, have you tried music? Well, you are trying to communicate through a medium with different laws of physics, so perhaps fundamental harmonics are the answer. Hmm? And then Spock says, but perhaps an excellent one. Because like, I, I really appreciate that as soon as she says, have you tried music? He just looks at her with complete attention. No, we haven't. Yeah. Like, fully interested in that thought. 
I don't know why, but I really sort of tweaked this on the, the Vulcans can often be seen as like quite critical because they're they're quite yeah. open. I remember a scene from Star Trek Resurgence, the video game, where Ambassador Spock is suggesting like a course of action. And then this particular ship has a, a Vulcan engineer mm-hmm. who then immediately speaks up and says the ambassador's plan is incomplete because he has missed such and such, you know. Yeah. Which for humans would be kind of rude, but then Ambassador Spock goes, Oh, excellent. Thank you for pointing out my deficiency. Yes. Because they like that. Right? Yeah, I mean, that goes into their logical thing. So, uh, yes, Uhura gets to pick the song. And she chooses something from the great American songbook, and it's Anything Goes. Yeah. <laughs> Which sets up some sort of subspace resonance. There's a gorgeous uh, shot of uh, some shockwave running through the ship as everybody gets in line. To, uh, well, as I said, like as they get their subatomic wedgie. Oh, I'm sorry. I've just got a favorite this gif where Celia Rose Gooding, who plays Uhura, yeah. is sort of waggling her shoulders at Spock while the song, in olden days a glimpse of stocking was looked on as something shocking, but now God knows anything, anything goes. goes. Alright, so here we have Good authors oh. to who once knew better words now only used for letter words writing prose anything goes <laughs> thank you you're welcome so here comes my so, so we've got this little shot of That's uh, a public domain isn't it Probably. We've got to be really careful. We're all on I mean, YouTube now, and they've got all those oh, algorithms. We're singing it. So, like, I mean, I know that's going to make YouTube doesn't care about that, but this is definitely covered by, look, we're, we're doing a rendition of the same song. I guess, do we need to pay rights for that? Like, we're not... No, we're, not they, we're definitely, I mean, we're definitely no, not paying right, rights. Like, right, hold no, on, nobody's no, making no. money on this. We have, like, I guess it, it depends on whether the, the copyright patrons. owner is particularly litigious. Let's just move on. It's, hey, not, an e- just... it's not an eagle song, okay? It should be all right. <laughs> hey, if you're listening to this, be cool, okay? Like, be cool. Are you a Star Trek fan or are you a narc? Yeah. So here we have this. Here, here we have the first shot where it comes up. Just after the one where Pike's standing on the bridge, we have this shot of Uhura in engineering. Yeah. So we see, a, like, an engineering console, and it's got, like, a transparent shield type monitor like things standing up and there's all these little squares and things on them and it kind of reminded me of you know those little airplane stamps or uh, pictures that uh, uh-huh. fighter planes in world war ii used to have like the number of kills my new head cannon is oh, that's no. the num- that's the amount of warp core ejections that they've wanted <laughs> and every time there's a warp core ejection they add a new one there <laughs> Yes, deep apologies for people listening at home. I have just come off of a truly awful and delirious week of laryngitis. Four days of fever. I've just recovered, and I may be overstraining my voice a little bit by singing, but also you're overstraining my entire chest cavity with your open cannon. I'm sorry. All right. Talk about ejecting your work core. So this pulse emerges from this subspace rift, right? And it goes through everywhere, and everyone goes, what was that? And Everyone's a little shaky. It, it like, doesn't become immediately apparent. No. Like, let's do a systems check. Well, yeah. Let's systems check out. And suddenly, it's yeah, people start singing. And there's a lot of, why are we singing? That's, that's probably, the most, probably the most repeated Spock. line in this episode. <laughs> the intermix chamber and containment field are stable. Yes, we're not going to do it. <laughs> That's what you say. Hold oh, on. Okay. I wonder if I type in Strange New Worlds, Subspace Rhapsody, Karaoke. Can oh, I? Oh, dear. Not that again. <laughs> we, well, 
I mean, what do you mean again? We haven't we, we done had a, it yet. We had a karaoke episode, remember? We did one bit of karaoke. I know. We have one status report. Here we go. Okay. How do we share this? We can't really see know. the screen together. I can hear it, but that's oh, not Oh, yeah. Oh, do you hear that? Yes. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Let's find out. But I... The intermix chamber and containment field. I don't have the lyrics. Sable. Yeah, okay. No, this isn't going to work. Hold on. No, yeah. I can put them on the telly. Oh, God. We do actually have the technology. If I put it on the telly, are you going to sing along? Sure. Of course I am. Do you know this song? No. Do you know any of them? No. Okay. But it's, it's musical. It's not that hard. Oh, okay. Hey, no. Cocky, no. We're going to get demonetized. What are you doing? Tell, tell that to Celia Rose Gooding, the amazing Broadway actress who plays Uhura. I mean, sure, she's had more practice, but it's like, it's all fairly predictable. It's a musical. Okay, let's let's see how well we do. This is going to be interesting. We're already 40 minutes in, and we've barely even started. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, the story is thin, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll do, I'll spark. The intermix chamber and containment field are stable. I'll get to the warp core and assess its state when I'm able. Why? Where is that music coming from? Not from anywhere on the ship. No. Apologies, the most confounding. Oh, (coughs) beer to be singing. I have sick bay for you, sir. It's unusual, so peculiar. We confirm there's no injuries. Oh, I'm this is terrible. Ma- no, yes. A headache, Mundane. a sprain. Here we go. A, a headache, a splinter, a left ankle sprain. It's happening again. Why are we singing? Apologies. The most confounding thing we appear to be singing. Most unusual, so peculiar. <laughs> okay, Lieutenant Ortega. Right. Status report. Come on, Lieutenant you can, Ortega. You Ortega. Status report. Oh, Ortega is at the helm. The pilot. Oh, sorry. The, the pilot seat is, is my realm. We're in a field surrounded still. Flight systems ready. Impulse engines ready. Yeah! Kaki, I think I finally know what you felt like when I just could not for the life of me get the 12 Days of Christmas tune right in our previous podcast, because that's exactly how I felt there. Oh, I love you guys so much. <laughs> All right. I think okay, we've got enough. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So after that amazing, amazing wow, success, yes. which we all enjoyed, which everyone enjoyed. So I noticed like a, f- a funny thing is like they're working the console here and their movements are in unison. Like, yes, yes. That can't be a good idea. Because, like, those consoles, like, they do from different things. So if they press the same button on the... No, you location, see, Ortegas and Mitchell, yeah. they're also looking at each other like, oh, this... this is not we probably- should not be choreographing <laughs> yeah, right now. Exactly. <laughs> what else can they do? But this is brilliant. Because it's it's a scene that shows the propagation of what is... You know, maybe not a terrible problem, but a problem with significant consequences. Oh, yes. That starts with Spock and spreads to other people. Like, it's like an earworm, you know? It's like, and it's. Oh, yeah. As it spreads without communication through the subspace field, spreads from ship to ship. Like, at one point, there are like 12 Federation ships are infected, and then they learn well, that the Klingons they, are yeah. also infected. And they try to scan for non Federation ships. Okay, so we've remarked before on what a challenge it is to do, like, visual heavy things on podcasts. Yeah. We have a new challenge. 
which is where this episode is really heavy on the audio. Yeah. But the audio is encumbered with a lot of rights that we don't <laughs> yeah. want to violate. And so they do the song status report. Credits. Yes. And I love the acapella version of the opening theme. Oh. That is so amazing. Yes. I love especially like the, the women's choir going. Diddly 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 diddly. It's my favorite bit. And to quote Captain Pike. So that happened. <laughs> <laughs> which is not too long later followed by the other quote that we used to introduce this episode last week, which is... Mr. Spock, you explained that very well. I almost understood it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the budding relationship between Lieutenant Kirk and Lieutenant Commander Spock, or Lieutenant Spock there I as well. I suppose so, yes. So everyone's in the situation room, or the, uh, the briefing room, or Pike's ready room, or yeah. whatever it's called. Pike's brief. <laughs> <laughs> They're annoying Pike's brief. And Spock is explaining spacey wasty timey wimey like yes. improbability field. And there is an actual Star Trek ass explanation here. Yeah. For like any of the haters, I heard that in, in a snippet of the review that you gave. Like yeah. there's no sense of stakes. There are never stakes. Oh. The ship is never going to blow up by the end of the episode. No. And if you worry about that, if you're excited about, oh, is the ship going to be safe? Then they're that's, the that's writers are doing their job, yes. And you're choosing to do that. Yes. And if you choose not to do that here, then you're just wasting 62 minutes. That's a long episode <laughs> yes, of, I your, that. Yeah. of your life. Because it's incredibly, incredibly loyal to the formula of Star Trek. Yes. Like It, it sets it's, up this problem. It explains what it is in... It's stupidly but, yeah, but it's a hilarious problem. That's what makes it a different episode. You know, it's like yeah, the problem is just like no, we're, we're all singing, and this might spread to the entire federation. Nobody thinks this is a bad thing. I mean, everybody talks about their feelings. This is generally good. Ah, Laan <laughs> thinks it's a bad thing. Well, yes, she's quite right because but it poses like a security, security oh, risk. Absolutely, a security threat. Totally, that's that's very true. And the other thing is like it's like exacerbating problems. In a way. And, and, and relationships driving people apart. That's one of the main thrusts for this, this episode. Like, these heightened emotions are being expressed, and expressing them actually, like, brings them to the surface, and it drives people farther apart and makes it harder to function, <laughs> which is why they have to come together at the end in the ensemble piece, right. right? That's the emotional art. Interesting. I, I almost think, like, a lot of unspoken emotions are being aired here, yeah. which generally is a good idea. I mean, like, it, it depends on, like, it's... it's complete honesty a good thing or not or white lies or omissions of truth to avoid hurting someone's feelings is that a good thing you know it's like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a core point of, of relationships that we're touching yep. on here yeah absolutely. <laughs> and it's a very cultural thing right yeah Star Trek I mean, has given us lots of opportunities yeah. to examine this from different perspectives the the deep-seated hypocrisy of Vulcans like in Enterprise yeah. and, but then also the absolute candor of Elnor and right. the court Milat in Picard and, yeah, of course, uh, you know, the Dutch are notoriously renowned for being blunt or direct, depending on how you want to uh, talk about it. Right, which, uh -huh. depending on how, like, what you expect from a yeah. relationship is very refreshing and, and kind of relaxing. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, yeah, find it like, oh, I mean, are the Dutch rude or is it just, like, blunt and direct? You know, it's, in a lot of culturally speaking, a lot of people that comes off as rude. Yeah, uh, we don't dance about the issue. If we see something wrong, then like we say so. Yeah, but like I come from Indonesian descent, and like yeah. in, while I don't claim to know Indonesian culture, having not lived there, of course, but I do know like my my grandmother. She would never say no directly right. because yeah. she just 
that's a rude thing to do or that's an unpleasant right. feeling that you give someone else. And it's all part of like yeah. hospitality is their chief virtue right. of adat. And so you strive to create situations where that's not necessary. But yeah. yeah, no is incredibly valuable. Saying, no, I don't want that. Thank you. So, yes, uh, the space-time rift is being pulled open like a zipper and it's proposed to zip it back up. But we need to work out a way to do this, which is pretty much the... Uh, the leading. I mean, let, let, let's get the technical part of it out of the way. There's not much of techno stuff going on here. Okay, something was lodged in there that was unlodged by anything goes. Yes, and that's an improbability field which is now connected to the enterprise. And they are somehow in a reality which is governed by musical rules. Yep, is the hypothesis like how this exists? And shooting it is going to destroy everything that's connected to it. <laughs> I love that. That's Pike's idea. I think we should blow it up. Use the photon torpedoes to bring down the curtain on this thing for good. And Spock goes, that has potential. Wait, really? <laughs> yes. However, when the Klingons later uh, profess that that's exactly what they're going to do to save their honor, like, oh, no, we got to stop them. Fortunately, they don't actually have to try that. Well, There's, because they've, no, they've done an yeah. experiment in the meantime. They oh, beamed yeah. over some subatomic particles, which right. rock the ship. Oh, no, this is hugely destructive. Yeah, but they didn't tell the Klingons that. And the Klingons, for all we know, might have just, like, come in and started shooting right away. Instead, they are kind enough to like give their little boy band show and then fly in formation with the Enterprise <laughs> to do their, to do a little space ballet thing. I'm so looking forward to telling you about that Klingon bit when we when okay. we get there. We're not there yet. So some things need to be uh, adjusted. Uh, yes, four, four first. things plan, need to be uh, physically connected. Plan A connected, is yes. connect this to that, and it's a gorgeous shot of, in the Jeffrey's tube of uh, Kirk and Number One. Yes, I've, I've got her name already. Uh, Una Chin Una, Wiley, played one, yes. by the amazing Rebecca Romain, yeah. who's just sort of staring up Kirk's ass crack while he does work. Uh, he he has, probably has a nice butt. You know. He probably does, played by uh, Paul Wesley. He has a Polish name. He's of Polish descent. I think he's American or Canadian-born, Pavel. They have this little sort of discussion about command styles. Yes. Because that's a thing that he's there to learn. And she says, I'm aware of the reputation I've had on this ship, but recently I'm trying a new approach, more... Hands-on. My last first officer definitely kept his distance. And therefore no one questioned him. I call that style of uh, command a first mistake, is I believe yeah. what she says. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she's really honest about that. It's very critical about someone who isn't there. Yeah. And they break into song. They do. And Lan is kind of, kind of jealously looking down the corridor at them uh, having a little song together. It's like... Yeah. She and at like, first you think maybe... Actually, oh, enviously, probably more than jealously. But Very good yeah, word yeah. use, bro. Because he sees them dancing, because they're doing a little Gilbert and Sullivan yes. number. <laughs> Which because, is, yeah, literally mentioned. Which is her thing. There was a Short Treks episode connected with Star Trek Season 2, which was about Spock's first day on the Enterprise, oh. where he got stuck in an elevator with number one. Okay. And she confessed to him that she absolutely loves Gilbert and Sullivan, <laughs> something that she will never tell the rest of the crew. Yes. What she's talking about now, and it's connect to your truth. I love this song. <laughs> Which leads to her going off to her quarters and reminiscing on the fact that it might be time for her to change her t uh, thing. Because the thing that she was envious of was not Una dancing with Kirk. It was that Una just said something really heartfelt. Yeah. That she was totally honest and that it worked out well. Like, everybody, everybody benefited from it. Yep. And she has a... Oh, Greg mentioned it in our opening script. She has an I Want song. Yes. 
which is a part of like Disney musicals, usually with a Disney princess who has a song that expresses her desires, what she's missing in her life, mm -hmm. what's holding her back. It's a traditional component of uh, a, a lot of musicals. Yes. Kind of subverted in Moana, because Moana, yeah. She's, yeah. she has an I Want song, but there's nothing wrong with her life. She loves her island. She loves the people that she's with. Oh, yes. She just also wants something else yes. to go exploring. Oh, good, Kaki. You correct yourself. It's not just a Disney musical thing, because if you left that in as was, I was going to have to pull up a bunch of musical examples of just musicals, period, beyond just Disney, of I Want songs, because they're just such a staple. But you corrected yourself. So now, instead, you get to hear me saying that I didn't correct you. Is this like when your parents says they're not angry, they're just disappointed? <laughs> Is that what I'm doing here? And Laan's thing, I mean, besides wanting what she had with the other Jim Kirk in that alternate timeline. Right, yes. Which we see some flashbacks to. She also wants to be the kind of person that she was then, like letting go of the wheel. Right. I mean, she later explains that to... Una. Una, yes. That... He saw the real me. Beyond my name, beyond all that name stands for, he'd never even heard it before. And I, I liked it. And yeah. she got to, uh, yeah, be a... Because she's a descendant of Khan Nunians yeah. and the tyrant. And she got to be a person that she likes better than what she is here. Which also leads her to, again, followed by her and Pike in the turbo lift, which leads her like, oh, this is a security issue. Because, like, I just, like, poured my heart out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, there was nobody there. But this could have just as well happened with, like, important information. So this is sung by Christina Chong. And she's amazing. She's the actress who plays Laan. Yeah. And you can tell that, like, she and Celia Rose Gooding have the most experience with music, singing, singing, music, yes. performing. Everybody's great. Everybody does wonderful in the ranges that they're given. Like, the composers worked with all these yeah. actors to find out their ranges, what you can do, and write something for their voices. Right. You know, with Pike, it's, it's, it's got that country and rockabilly twang. <laughs> and Benga only gets a few lines, but... He also says, like, So did I. And I do not sing. Which is valid. But so Christina Chong recently released a song. And because YouTube is so sensitive, I'm going to try and only like play about 15 seconds of her Christmas song that she all recently right. released. And I'm going to hope that it's a good bit. It's not enough. Oh, all right. So let me see. Oh, there, there are lyrics here. Let's see how well we do with this. Anyway, so that's Christina Jones' yeah. Christmas song. That sounds like a very, very 30s, like, you know, lounge singer type style, jazz oh, club yeah. type. Yeah, that's really what it was. She's got that vibe. She's Absolutely. amazing. So, yeah, this, this song, which... Close your eyes and picture this song. This is such a weird thing to have to do on a podcast. You for... Come on, yeah. <laughs> it's earworm, right? Yes. So the brothers Kirk are having a little discussion while they're doing step three of the four-step things that needs to happen. Copy, Copy that, Ensign. She was talking to me. You don't know that. I do know that. I actually work here. This isn't even your department. They fire the main deflector dish at the subspace rift. That sound is so cool. <laughs> this shot is also so cool. You've got the Enterprise hanging in space. It shoots a beam out of the deflector. These bits of smoke come off the beam. Yeah. Like, it's so cool. And there's this twang, this, this hum, this electric guitar pummeling into this rift. With no effect. No, 
and then the rift sort of takes in a deep breath and exhales this beautiful vibrato, which has now propagated through the subspace relay network. Yes. As we notice immediately, because incoming transmission, private call for Captain Pike, which he takes on the main screen. Yes, because when it rains, it pours, and it's Captain Marie Battelle of the USS Cayuga. And they have a little... Uh, private conversation. Private, yes. Private conversation. <laughs> they have a little, a little relationship spat right in front of everybody until... Who is it? Actually just, like, goes and cuts off the communication. Oh, it's La'an. It's La'an, yeah. She's she goes, being... Like, click. She's, <laughs> she's being Pike's true homie. Yeah. Because Pike is trying to keep it under control. And he can't, yes. You know, he's, your idea of fun is, wait, what am I doing? Why am I seeing this in front of my crew? Yeah. And then La'an goes, no, Got that. <laughs> Fam, I got you. I got you, cats. Just relax. Just walks just, over, leans over Uhura's console. Click. <laughs> draws her service saber and drives it into Uhura's console <laughs> to the hilt. Wow. Solved it. No worries. Got your back. Uh, turns out that it is spreading and it is not going very well. Yeah. More ships have this problem now. He let me know in a surprisingly beautiful baritone that he wants us to stop this now, by the way. This is where Pike has the idea to blow it up. Yeah. And this is in the middle of a conversation where they sort of study this form a bit more because now Uhura says, well, if this is a connection to a musical reality, maybe we're following the rules. And when everybody gets emotionally overwhelmed, they break into song. Actually, it's Una who says that. When their emotions are so heightened that words won't suffice. This is where they talk about beaming some stuff out and, like, it's a two-person job and, and Craig's like, oh, good thing we have two people here. Like, being a little... He's not, he's not that smirky. <laughs> he, it, oh, no, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to go for smirky. Oh. I was trying to go for, like, smooth, like, share the bed with every Zabraxian girl. Is that uh, the vibe you got? That's the vibe I kind of got from him, yeah. Like, his, his little womanizer vibe that he has in the original series. See, we get that impression from him, uh-huh. like Kirk in the future, but... I don't get that vibe from him here. He's just, like, really excited to connect with someone. Like, he, okay. he likes her, and he does feel yeah. that connection. Okay. I'll take your more positive vibe on that one. No, I mean, because it's also subverted later on when he says, right. like, hold on, well, I actually can't have a relationship with somebody else no. because I'm in a relationship and it's complicated and, and I feel the connection. Yeah, and she's pregnant. Notice a few things, by the way. Yeah. Kirk, at one point, finishes La'an's sentence. Yeah. What if we could isolate and transport... Subatomic particles from the fault. Sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted you because you had that thought first. And he makes it later as well when they're uh, working in the, the console, then they're like, oh, sorry, yeah, I'm just not used to uh, not being the one giving orders. And Yeah, uh, yeah. reflex, it's your ship. And, yeah. Which I, I really love that because it's, yeah, you, you f*** up, you, yeah. you make little mistakes, you want yeah. to be respectful for somebody else. It's Like, sorry, yeah, didn't mean to uh, step on your authority there. So this scene happens that we're talking yeah. about now because La'an's following Una into the ready room. Yeah. She's asking for a different assignment. Mm. You're refusing an assignment? This isn't like you, La'an. That's the problem. I'm not behaving like myself. None of us are. And she explains, like, yeah, she basically explains what's happening. Um, uh, also, like, like, she also explains to Kirk. Which I thought was really cool. It's like when she starts talking about the Kirk that she met, and he's like, well, I'm not one for rules, but it sounds like you're about to break a really big one here. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you're not supposed to be telling me about t- this timey-wimey stuff, is it? <clears throat> this song that Una sings, once again, Una sings songs to teach people lessons yeah. that they really need to hear. And she teaches La'an, keeping secrets keep you safe. Yeah. 
And I'm very, very good at keeping secrets because she had the, the, the issue that she's... Right, uh, yeah, genetically modified... Uh, yeah, yeah, her her people, yeah, Illyrians. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was a whole uh, court case about this, if I remember from, from a different episode. And it's about her regretting that she's so good at keeping secrets because it keeps people away from her. Yeah. And we get all these really cool cutaways to other scenes. You know, we have Christine, she's keeping the secret from Spock. Yeah. We have uh, even the captain keeping a secret from his girlfriend. Yeah. This song, this is what the whole episode is about. And they even turn off the gravity for it. I know, it's <laughs> like, so cool. One of the few times in Star Trek that gravity... Oh, no, we, ha- we already did that. You keep saying that. that. It's we not exactly... Did. It is still one of the few times. <laughs> I mean, it is less than 1% of all the episodes. Oh, and it's such a cool... It's like the, it's like the love scenes in the room, which is otherwise terrible. I'm just going to sing a little bit. Got lots of thoughts to wade through Tangled webs of people who will Complicate your life and thwart you These are facts that I relate to Oh, okay. Yes. If they- <laughs> If you copyright if, strike, here we come. Is it is a karaoke? Oh wait, the karaoke version also has copyright. <laughs> can everybody just be cool? If 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 someone can just like hold out a little bag that I can put a ducket into, and then it's okay. Yes, unfortunately, it does not work that way. I really, really like this song. Mm. It's also the one that happens to be sort of in my range. Yeah. We should boost the gain on the targeting scanners. Way ahead of you. Do we have a lock on the target? Sorry, reflex. This is your ship, you give the orders. A few particles of the space-time rift are being beamed aboard and then sent off to engineering for further analysis. By uh, uh, Lan and Kirk. Yeah, this is uh, the scene I was talking about where he uh, apologizes for stepping on her uh, uh, authority to uh, be in charge. And there is a real flirty vibe, but like I really paid attention, like re-watching this from his perspective, because, you know... He yeah. knows that he's, his on-again, off-again relationship with Carol is currently very, very on yeah. because she's pregnant and that he's doing his best. He likes La'an. He's maintaining a respectful yeah, distance, yeah. but it does feel very flirty without that bit of information. And it was not such a great success. No, no, no. But, well, I mean... Because they, they realize if we do this now, then that explosion will propagate through the subspace right, network yeah. and destroy everything with a radio. Yeah, there's a little boom that runs through the ship, which is, which I think, I think is a really fun way to do, because, like, they beam it over to uh, <laughs> yeah. engineering. They never show the scene where Spock... Spock exp- uh, yeah, where, where Spock <laughs> experiments on it. It's just, like, the effect of it. It's like this little thud going through the ship. And it's like, okay, something just blew up. There's no alarms blaring. I guess it's fine. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I would have loved it if, the, like, the next meeting you could see, like... Spock was singed here by eyebrows. Exactly. Oh, that's going to be, sitting be my deleted scene. Sort of painting his eyebrows back on. Gonna, yes, sir, I was listening. <laughs> that has to be my deleted scene. <laughs> so what are we going to do? Because now we have the Klingons on their way. Yes. We have located the abominable source of our dishonor and will destroy it immediately. Make no attempt to stop us. Yeah, because the fact that the Enterprise didn't pick up the phone when the Klingons right. first contacted because them. Because they didn't want to spread the virus. Yeah, not knowing that it already has spread. Late. Yeah. 
made them suspicious. And this is Captain Garkog, mm-hmm. played by Bruce Horak, who also played Hemmer right. in the first season. I heard something about that, yes. Yeah. He had something called retinoblastoma, which destroys eye tissue. So his right eye was destroyed by this... Uh, I don't know if it's a disease or an illness or a genetic uh, okay. issue. Okay. Well, that's why he's wearing the eye patch? Yep. Okay. That and he lost well. most of his side on the left side. His, okay. his father had that as well. The making... right side, I think. Oh, sorry. The, the right eye is gone, so that's where the R- eye patch oh, right. is. Yes. But, uh, but it's such a cool thing to see him again. And like, you can hear his voice. And he's got a cool uniform. He's got lots of gold. I mean, yes, as does the rest of his bridge crew, as we later see. They're fancy boys. I they like are. it. They are. I mean, it's like our uh, chief engineer wasn't the only one to call it the Klingon boy band. It's like, that's also how Trek Corps described this episode. Uh, the writers call that segment where they finally do break into song yeah. K-pop. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why you get the high-pitched, the pitched-up voice right, because yes, that's popular I get so. in I mean, it is, it is definitely different from what we know about uh, Klingon opera, so, you know. So it's unclear whether it was an idea or whether it was actually filmed, but there was originally going to be an opera version oh. that didn't work so well. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Akiva Goldsman in the interview with Variety, it seems like he's confirming that it was actually like written and filmed. Okay. But nobody else has confirmed it yet. So, so Paramount released the opera cut. We kind of want to see it. Although in my head canon, Klingon opera is basically like American wrestling. Okay. I mean, when you look at American wrestling, if you show that to, like, a Klingon, they would love it. Maybe, yes. Oh, they're throwing down because of, you know... The, uh, his, honor has been disparaged, yes. Yeah, yeah, his, his uh, ex-girlfriend didn't receive his, you know, right. alimony payments or whatever for their child. The I child mean, that he fathered, most, he's not supporting it. Most, Dishonor. <laughs> most of the times that I've heard, like real-life references to what Klingon opera is or would be like is, like, it's generally described as Wagnerian, you know? I mean, that's valid. <laughs> yeah. we, we talked about it in the previous episode. There was a performance, which we missed, because it was in the Netherlands of, ooh, an original Klingon opera performed yeah. by uh, European Klingonists. Yeah. Uh, down in The Hague, I think it was. But, okay, Spock and Uhura are given the job by Pike to solve this. You need to come up with a solution. You're yeah. the science nerds. You both need to fix this. You're applying old rules to a new reality. I suggest you find a different tempo fast. And Spock has been looking at analyzing the songs themselves, which Uhura thinks is uh, is brilliant, looking at frequency patterns. Yes, the beginning frequency, I believe, is what they uh, talk about. And uh, as they are talking about this, they are walking to 10 Forward or whatever it's called on uh, on this ship, the yeah, bar. The pub. Now, how to trigger a song? Well, per our musical rules, we just need to wait until someone feels overwhelming emotion. Oh, <laughs> we get it's this. going to be you, in yes. fact. Because Spock yeah. sees Nurse Chapel toasting with her friends. There's and even a cool bit of dialogue. Yeah, where they, it's like, oh, well, goes, you're, you're toasting, so I guess you got good news. Why didn't you tell me? Yeah, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. So allow me to congratulate you. I am curious why you chose not to inform me. Was it an oversight or was it intentional? Can we um, me talk about this later? I am just curious. No, you're heartbroken. <laughs> heartbroken yeah. You're not merely curious. You're crushed right now. Turns into a yeah, a good number. Like where she is, like oh, so happy about what she's going to be Jess doing. Bush is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because the number is not about him at all. No, it's just about her being, being able ready to, for yeah. this this new step in her career. And he just kind of stands there during the entire thing, heart 
broken, broken. yes. And kind of like turns away and walks off at the end. And it sort of continues a pattern that Chapel has expressed, certainly in the first season, that Ortegas points out to her as well. Like, you don't like when things get serious. Then yeah. you lose interest. That's why she was so interested in Spock, because it was unattainable. Yeah. And now that they're actually, like, in something of a relationship, yeah. she's running away again. I can't remember what happened. To, like, what's his relation? Was his engagement broken off with... Uh, uh, to Pring. To Pring, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, she was in charades yeah. uh, in season two. Because they went through the whole song and dance with her parents. Uh, yes, but Spock didn't trust to Pring with it. Right, that But was he did it, yeah. trust Chapel with it. And, yeah. and she rightly, like, took offense to that. Like, you didn't trust me to support you with this. Yeah. You wanted to spare me pain. No, hold on, that's not... You know, people who respect each other let each other make their own choices. Yeah. And in that space, that's where, where Spock decided to, like, give in to these feelings with, uh, with yes. Chapel that they shared. And now she's moving on. Yep. She's got this whole she's, song about how ready she is. She's only going to be gone for three months. I know. But apparently that's enough to break it all up. This took so much rehearsal and it was such a joy. Oh? There's so many moving pieces and so many people dancing around. Like, the cameras have to move and the furniture has to be mm-hmm. moved to allow the cameras. The cast came in on weekends to do this, despite the fact that this was toward the end of the season. They'd been working really hard for months. I saw on Instagram some behind-the-scenes footage of, oh, nice. like, yeah, of, of like the, the cast in between takes while they were waiting for setups, <laughs> which could take, yeah. like, an hour. And they're all just sort of having fun and dancing together and breaking into little bits of unrelated songs because Celia Rose Gooding, she's a famed Broadway actress right. uh, before she joined Star Trek. Ah, okay. So, yes, just, clearly used to this kind of thing. And everybody's having so much fun. They're doing these really cool dance moves. Oh, how cool it would be to be that cool. Yeah. And how sad it would be to be Spock, just watching all right. this happening. Because it's- well, there's, there's an interesting bit of commentary that for some of the reviews had about this kind of thing, how the episode uh, focuses on, like, the, the three different relationships. And mm. I think a lot of them wrongly uh, comment that, like, we kind of have to let them peter out because, like, canonically, we know that none of these, these things go anywhere. And right. That, and they, most of the reviews that I've read about this say it like, oh, which means it doesn't mean anything. And I, and I, I disagree with that because right. people have previous relationships. Like, seldom happens that your high school sweetie is the one that you end up spending your entire life with. Right. So yeah, despite yeah. the fact that we know that this relationship isn't going to work out in the long run, doesn't mean that it can't be explored in the meantime. So you know, I, I think the argument that it doesn't have any weight because we know that it's not going to go anywhere is like kind of missing the point of relationships, I would say. <laughs> I think that's really, really well put. Yeah. And, and even, like, relationships as fiction, as entertainment, which these are for us, like, we see these informing... I think about Chapel and Spock in the original series, in, yeah. in so much as I, I, I know about it. Yeah. Chapel always had a little... She had a little crush on Spock. Right. And that's just what it looked like to us. Yeah. And now we see that there's this depth of, like... Betrayal is, is too heavy a word. hmm But she's hurt him. Yeah. To the point that this more emotional Spock that we're seeing here, in, in, in previous episodes we even saw him smile, he is so wounded by her abandonment right. that he shuts down all of these emotions and he becomes the, yes. uh, the more emotional. Well, that's what I read earlier from the review of Winter is Coming. It says the same thing. It's exactly, like, exactly. Yeah, we have a breakup and then he just like rejects human emotions and decides to be the logical, green-blooded, emotionless Klingon. I believe is what uh, Bones calls it him would at be some a point. 
Sorry, Vulcan. I said Klingon, right? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Klingon is an interesting <laughs> Green-blooded green blood Vulcan, sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Talk about but that's with the information we have now. We are living yeah. in 2024, just on the brink of it. Bell riots, anytime now. Uh, <laughs> Unification of Ireland. <laughs> yeah. Also 2024. <laughs> uh, was it the unification or the reunification? Because if it's unification, then we don't know unification with what? Well, reunification, I guess. That, but we'll we'll find out eventually. Yes. <laughs> but strangely, worlds might have a third season. Please, 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 might have a fourth, fifth. Who knows what other forms of relationship right. will take before yeah, it winds yeah, up absolutely. there? Like those roads are long. Okay, so let's get a... Speaking of long. Long, yes. We are, <laughs> I'm surprised at how long we're running in this episode. I kind of thought, that because the story is so thin. But I guess there's like, it's always... If we could just play the songs, this episode would be over. This episode we have would to be describe a, songs that yeah. we can't play. Hey, we could have done spoken word slash slam poetry version where we, we say all the song lyrics, but like it's slam poems, including... Yeah, that's good audio, right? Right. Here we have the uh, the talk between Kirk and La'an. Where she decides to be honest. And yeah. Leah, as you point out, he, he goes, Oh, oh I, sorry it sounds like you're temporal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She keeps it under control. But this is also where he goes like, Yeah, I'm not really available at the moment. Sorry. He tells her three things that are really important. Like, first of all. But I'm not that James Kirk. Yes. Very much so, yeah. Now, after expressing curiosity, he fully listens to her. I'm not that, which is a boundary for himself and for her. <laughs> ooh, ooh, do you need me to look up a karaoke thing? I can do that. I've got the power. That's, that's actually from Wicked. But <laughs> ooh, maybe even more. <laughs> I don't want to bring the wrath of Indina Menzel. Menzel. Yeah. On the... So first thing, I'm not that Jim Kirk. Two. I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel the connection to. Mm. Right? He does feel it. Yeah. From that first moment... I felt like I knew you. And three... My life is complicated. And yeah. she starts to apologize. And he says it's very, very specific. Like, I'm in a relationship. Yeah. On uh, again, off again, but it's definitely on again. <laughs> because she's pregnant. Yeah. Doesn't say that it's his kid. Yeah. <laughs> and she's called Carol. Yeah. Relating, of course, to Carol Marcus and the son that she has with Jim Kirk, David. Ah, as okay. we find out in The Wrath of Khan. Right, yes. Who's it, like, you know, follow the timeline. It yeah. all sort of matches up. It's about 24, 25 yeah. years. That's about the age of David in that film. And so that's that. And she goes, oh, wow. Yeah, great. Thanks. Well, bye. Which is disastrous for yeah. her. She gets shut down a bit there. Yeah. But then later, after everything's, everything's said and done, she sits with, uh, with Una and says, well, how did it go? And she says, well, terrible. <laughs> but it feels better. But I'm glad I did. Yeah, it. exactly. Maybe I could be someone who takes chances more often. Meanwhile, Spock and Uhura are homing in on the final solution. Well, sorry, that's probably a bad word. Yikes. Yeah. They're in engineering. <laughs> I love, love, love engineering. It is very pretty. It's an amazing set that would not have been possible prior to 2022. I assume it's being shot in a volume. So I, I learned about the term. It's an AR wall. Oh, AR wall. Which right. is actually really appropriate. So yeah. one side of this set is open to right. augmented reality. Yeah. But it has components that look exactly the same as the components that are physically in the real space. Of course, that's how you sell the effect. Absolutely and beca- and, beca- and because you have a highly reflective floor, the uh, AR ceiling is also, and that's, that, that's what sells. That's what sells it. Yeah. 
And I just realized this now, like it's an incredibly brilliant throwback to uh, like 1960s, the original series, because then when you go to engineering, it's just this tiny little set with a painting that goes on for yeah. miles and miles, the entire <laughs> war court. And just like here, it's so good. But here it all moves and it like the perspective is correct because like, yeah, thanks to mm. camera tracking. Uh... So Spock is trying to find a pattern in these songs. He's got this really huge amount of data, but his heart and brain aren't in it. And he gets a song where he, oh, he's trying to find the Y and realizes that yes. he's the X. I solved, I solved for Y, but I'm the X. Yes. Which is <laughs> amazing. I love that part, yes. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely incredible. I'm the X. And he, he has to walk away. He excuses himself. Yeah. And Uhura takes over. Yes, she gets her one song, I guess. Yeah, actually, that's... that's or more her realization song, song that, like, she laments a little bit on the fact that she is always alone. Yeah. And then she realized, no, actually, I'm, I'm actually the spider in the web. Despite being alone, I connect everybody. Keep us connected. Yeah. This is why she gets the last solo. <laughs> uh, you give the last solo to someone who's, yes, who's okay. been on stage for a thousand performances who has, like, 18 octanes of range. <laughs> And the director, Dermot Downs, he talked about this as well. Like, she gets the most expressive camera work mm. because the impression that he wanted to give is like the power of her voice actually sort of pushes the camera back. Oh, yeah. That the camera keeps trying to get closer and just the energy that radiates off her. And you mm -hmm. sort of feel like you're being blown yeah, back and I can, forth I can see by, that. Yeah. by this song because she talks also about her family who tragically died in a shuttle crash and that she was left alone, that she was uh, going solo. Am my best unaccompanied? Yeah. And then there's realization that, yes, I keep us connected. Oh. And in doing so, they discover the secret. Every time someone sings, the state of quantum improbability in the field spikes. It's almost imperceptible, but it's there. And we've simulated in, if we can pull it to 344 mega electron volts. Yeah. <laughs> It, uh, it's expressed in this beautiful bit where she, she pulls away and then, like, the meme gif of the woman with the arithmetic around her head, like, yes. literally starts spinning around <laughs> yes. her. It's incredible. Uh, that's very well done, yes. So, yes, they figure, like, okay, well, how are we going to do this? We're going to have to do an ensemble song? And it's like, no, no, <laughs> we're going to have to get the entire crew to sing along. Our challenge is how to inspire 200 crew members to spontaneously sing in thematic unison. A song cannot be triggered without an emotional purpose. And this is where I incorrectly earlier said that uh, we get the line, and that sounds like a communication officer's job. Yeah. Because Pike knows this about her. Yeah. Pike knows that she keeps everyone connected. And I just I just love her face. Hora, when she realized, <laughs> okay, I get to do this for yeah. my crew. Oh, I just want to point out real quick, Uhura has this realization song can also bring people together. Yeah. People worship with song. They celebrate with song, mm. which... Oh, it just, just really, really sticks with me. Yeah. Uh, I know our situation has been challenging. And we might not all have been acting like a... Well, like a crew. But we'll get through this. Together. It's quite telling. Like After the captain starts, and then you can see Uhura pointedly looking at the screen when she's like still firmly at zero. And, <laughs> yeah. and only when she starts bringing the crew together, leading them in their, uh, in the grand finale, so to speak, 
is when uh, the numbers start rising. This is gorgeous shot, basically with the camera spinning around when the crew are starting their dance routine in the corridor. Yeah, this this <laughs> shot is so great. You've got you've got all these dancers who are walking back and forth, doing pointless things on panels, yes. but sort of stressing about. Like, and then the camera spins, and by the time that it stabilizes again, like they're just running towards dancing. the camera. Yeah. Like they've suddenly like become jets st- and sharks. West Side yes, Story, exactly. yes. <laughs> Chief Engineer Greg here. So in an article by Inverse.com with the choreographer Roberto Campanella, but despite his deep knowledge of dance, he maintains that everything about Subspace Rhapsody was designed to make sense within the Trek world and not to constantly be winking to other musicals. I guess there's one moment, a tribute to West Side Story, when the dancers run towards the camera in the finale, Campanella admits, but other than that, I wasn't trying to reference anything. I let my experience dictate where we are going physically. And in engineering, you've got Pelia and Laan and Spock Doing as essentially yes. three quarters of Queen. <laughs> right? They're sort of standing together. Yes. Is this the real life? <laughs> it's just, just fantasy. And another copyright strike. Goes ah, that's got to be inching on. Okay, just <laughs> be cool. We're all cool. Because, yeah, Uhura introduces herself after Pike has said, By following one voice, the voice of the Enterprise. And this is where you get an even better shot of that uh, Perspex screen in uh, engineering with all the warp core uh, breach uh, stamps on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know what you're talking about. But right as they are in song, we get a perimeter alert because the Klingons are here now. Now, keep going, keep going. We're going to keep on singing. Well, that's what, oh, right. uh, that's oh, what oh, yes, Pike course, says. Yes. You know, they see them coming. Okay, so we've got to get this done quick before the ships are here because they're the new Katinga class ships. Yes. They're tricky where it's the aft torpedoes you really want to watch out yes. for. And uh, yes, we get the little boy band number from the uh, from the Klinghorns. Oh my god! Because everyone's joining in. You've yeah. got you've got Benga and Chapel dancing through medical. Hail the Klingons! Oh hurrah! And then they show, <laughs> and you can see Garkog trying to sort of keep, keep it, it low, down. Keep yeah, it low, but oh my god, <laughs> first cannot resist anymore. Must dance. <laughs> and they do a dance that reminds some people of Han Solo's lowest point. Oh, this will be something maybe for Chief Greg to explain better, but I'll explain it to you right now. Mm-hmm. There's a connect sort of dance, dance, revolution style thing where you have to sort of dance along. And one of the versions of that is Star Wars, where you see Star Wars characters doing oh. stupid dances to pop songs. And okay. one of them is Han Solo, who has wow. to do a stupid dance okay. to a pop song. I had no idea that even existed, so... Yeah, Kaki, you explained it perfectly. The only thing that I could even think to add would just be that it was specifically to the song Riding Solo, but instead it was I'm Han Solo, and I hate it. I hate that you made me remember this. I was happy. I was happy, Kaki, you made me remember this. And yeah, the Enterprise gets in on the dance, does a perfectly choreographed spin together with the three Katinga class <laughs> yes. battle cruisers. Just as the field is overloaded by the unbreakable, unshakable, improbable, unstoppable, sensational, ovational, and boldly explorational (laughs) crew of the Enterprise. Yes. Followed by the space-time rift exploding like a piece of firework. It looks so good. To see that, like, the, the Spock held out to the last bit. 
Oh, did you notice yeah. that? Like when they when they talk about it, this is our prime directive, and he goes, mm, "Not exactly." <laughs> He's holding off, and he sees that the line is hovering at three forty-three. Yes. Okay. No, I've got to get I, I in on this. To, I, yeah, it has to be. A it needs one more, and he jumps in just in time for like that last flourish, where you can really see if you look at that reef where they do the final, yeah. you know, the jazz hands. Yes. You can see which of these people have dance experience because they're <laughs> just a little bit tighter, yeah. and one of those people is Doctor Mbenga. Because, well, he's a championship yeah. Brazilian jiu-jitsu oh, practitioner. Right. So yes. like, his That's... physical precision and like the extension yeah. is right up there with the best of the dancers. Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Okay. I didn't know yeah, yeah, yeah. Brazil it's had a... their own jiu-jitsu. Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very popular sport. He's, uh, okay. oh, I recently found... A... Are you not talking about the, the dance? Capoeira. Capoeira. No, no, okay. no, unrelated. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, specifically called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, there's a, oh, let's drop in a clip of it here, because before he became the famous actor that he is now, he introduces himself, hey, I'm Bob Solusan Mokun, and I've done a little bit of TV work here and there, and, you know, <laughs> no big deal, but I'm mostly a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu instructor. Okay. Little did he know. And everybody sort of dances, and there's a gif that will give me life for all eternity, which is... Pike just sort of doing a little foxtrot at Pelia, who sort yeah. of gets into it, and it's got the little hip wiggle and the little shoulder wiggle while, <laughs> while Uhura does a little fist pump. Congratulations all around. Hail the Klingons. I think we might have to mend some fences. <laughs> Which we found out Spock did once again. By, by he kind of stumbles <laughs> back onto so the bridge, cool. sits down with a heavy third because apparently there was quite a bit of blood wine involved in mending the... Uh... It's such a cool shot because he's in the elevator, the turbo lift opens and it shows him he was leaning against the side so he's sort yeah, of, uh, he upright to, and then he walks with perfect poise and he flumps back down in the chair. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Pike is making Juliet Charles buff Bourguignon, Bourguignon for Mattel. And they talk to each other. Yes. Chris, this isn't going to work if you're not more comfortable being honest with me. Even about something as small as a vacation. Gotta trust me more than that. The problem was, like, she had a great idea for where to go. Yeah. And he didn't want to go there. Yeah. Because his idea of going on vacation is going camping. Yeah. And that also doesn't work for her. And she's like, no, not unless there's room service. So she's more a glamping type of person. Which is all fine. You just set the boundaries that you want, and yeah. eventually you'll you'll find something. And now we know what to, what to, what to go for. Because she only proposed that because he didn't say what he wanted, and this was what she imagined was a compromise. I guess, yeah. But he says that it was his nightmare. So ugh. right. But anyway, it's like vacations on hold because she's been given an assignment, priority one. So that's why she's having dinner with her boyfriend first. Uh, they must just find like all sorts of excuses just to bring those two ships together again. Like you know, it's like oh yeah, oh we're, yeah, we're just, oh yeah. <laughs> no, that gets that gets remarks on. You know, yeah. like a routine prisoner transport. You didn't have to actually come over here. Yeah, well, I'm the captain. And the ship goes where I say it does. <laughs> <Yeah>. so. <laughs> Back to business as usual. Spock walks in. Everybody's at their station. On to the next mission. And Uhura turns to her console and goes. Mm-hmm, yeah, and everybody's like, wait, is it starting again? And she's like, ah. Sorry, earworm. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Captain. <laughs> All those shocked faces give me life. I yeah. And there we are. I should have more sound effects. I don't have that yet. Oh, what would be a good sound effect for, like, finishing the episode? Oh, oh I don't know. Oh, well, 
okay. We'll ask some people. And unfortunately, we probably can't ask this question to people who are listening here now because then it would take like two it, months. Yeah, before Almost, that actually yeah. shows up all the episode. But you know, the input is always welcome. Okay, so deleted scenes. Yes, because we do a segment that we still need to also have a sound effect for. Yes, think true. About. Which scene was shot that was left on the cutting room floor? Well, I mean, the official one is clearly the Klingon opera scene. Yes. Between well, so we, but we need, need our own. I already said that, like, I really liked mine idea of, like, we see Spock in his quarters kind of, like, carefully uh, eye-penciling his eyebrow back on after it got singed <laughs> away by the uh, subatomic particles that he tried to blow up. <laughs> no, it's got to be a song. It has to be a song, yes. It has to be a song. So I think mine is going to be Commander Pelia's I Want song. Yes. Which nobody listens to. She's she's the chief engineer aboard this ship. And actually in season two, she really doesn't get that much to do. No. You know? Oh, and I think she's got a a real... St- yeah, put it aside. I can... Yeah. The people at home can hear you playing with oh, Narek's little fidget cube. Yeah, sorry. That I got you <laughs> for your birthday a little while ago. She's going to be like an Eartha kit, like Isma from Emperor's New Groove yes. kind, of, kind of song about what she secretly wants, which is probably art theft seems to be her thing. Okay, I was going to say, like, my, she was also going to be my choice for a song. But really? Then, like, yes, but then her basically wandering through her quarters and uh, reminiscing about how... Uh, yeah, what the, the, is this look, shit? Looking at the different uh, kinds of artwork that she has, uh, like, hanging on her walls and still <laughs> <laughs> trying to see where she got those from. So that was going to be... <laughs> we've not seen her quarters and, like, yes, of course it's going to be covered in stolen art. Because, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of her thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess she keeps a painting or a sculpture from every artist she bangs. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay, I love this episode. It is a very good episode. Okay, so now we get to look at what the next week's episode is going to be. All We've right. got a little clue. And this time... We should have been doing it like this from the start. Okay. Uh, so, like previously, we've done it by getting some lines of dialogue. Yes. Right? One of us got some quotes from the episode, and then the other one has to guess which episode it is. And that's from our chief engineer, Greg. This, okay, so, so neither, of, neither of us knows where it's from this time. Exactly. Okay. Troy says, eyes in the dark, one moon circles. Okay. So yeah, Troy, I, so it's next generation. Yeah, it's, it's next generation. Uh, I immediately recognized. I can see the graphic okay. in front of my eye. Troy says, I feel fear. Oh. Not narrowing it down. No. Greg. I mean, that, that could be like, could be like, it could that be like, mean. far point. Uh, I uh, sense fear. Yeah. Well, the next one's from Guinan. Oh, okay. That, that dates it a little bit later in the uh, series. That was setting number one. Anyone want to see setting number two? Oh, oh I it's know. with her. She's got a shotgun, right? I think so. I, I mean, I, I, I can imagine it. It's, oh, is it one of the time travel episodes? Is it? Oh, I, I, is there another quote? Or is that it? There's one more. Data says, Sir, as my final duty as acting captain, I order you to bed. Oh, it's the one where they're all having these dreams, and it's a subspace alien thing trying okay. to, like, okay, yeah. com- I, I, I think know. I've realized yeah. a crucial flaw with yeah. doing it this way, because it no. doesn't say which, which one it actually is. is. Well. G- g- so, okay, Greg, how about you tell the people at home which one it is? Okay, no, well, then hang on. We need to guess first. So, like, yeah, so you say it's a subspace episode. and I mean, I want to say, like, night terrors, dreams, right, nightmares, final, final sleepy boys. Captain, yeah, so Data is the only one who is not affected by this, probably. Because everybody else asleep is... Uh... I guess so. And then he finally orders the captain to bed as final action. Because it's yeah. all... They have to vent the hydrogen. 
Is that what they're doing? Yes, because there's aliens okay. on the other side of the subspace thing, and they and they, and they are, are asking for the thing that they need to combine in order to okay. like, create an explosion in the subspace thing. And the episode is called Kaki. You got it right. TNG season four, episode seventeen, Night Terrors. Thank you. Thank Kaki. you. <laughs> well, that leaves us with only one thing left to do. I wonder what that could be. Hold on. Let me push this button. I can lose this. I'm leaving Starfleet. Energize! <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode with your friends Kay and Kaki. Production and editing by your chief engineer Greg and music by Fox Amore. And if you still didn't get enough of talking about Subspace Rhapsody, don't worry. We have a special treat for you because next month on our Patreon, the exclusive episode will be discussing Subspace Rhapsody with our composer, the very Fox Amore, whose music you listen to every week with us. He has some really fantastic insights into the music of the episode. And for just a few dollars a month, every month you get ex an exclusive episode and you help support us and what we're doing here. Without further ado, here is a clip from next month's episode discussing Subspace Rhapsody with Fox Amore. The first time you listen to this, you immediately, like, I saw you just just laser focus on this well, I, I and point like out that there's this... Yeah, I feel like the composer did something pretty clever here, and that's the fact that with Spock's songs, there's always an underlying electronica thing happening. Like, in this case, like, this sounds like there's, like, a, a repetitive kind of arpeggio that's going, and I honestly mm -hmm. feel that represents his Vulcan self. It can't shift, it can't change tempo, but there's orchestra around it, and the orchestra is going around doing different things, and that's his human side of it. So no matter how much this humanity tries to go out, the core of his volcanism will always pull it back into that very tight tempo that he can't escape from. That's oh, that's just that's just that's, just that's just the, the impression I get when I, I listen to that. That's what I feel the composer's trying to trying to do there. That's that's the message. I well, get. yeah, because that's what you do as a composer as well. Like you layer these uh, these things in. I, f I feel like if I was doing like a theme tune for for Spock, it would have like some aspects like that, like the like the the unwavering like change of like a solid rhythm. Whereas, like, the orchestra's yeah. spreading around, doing all sorts of different, like, things, trying to break away, but ultimately he gets yeah. back in. Because that, you're, you're right, that deep sort of synthesizer pulse, uh, the, yeah, pulse, it mm -hmm. doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. Even even in the, the quiet moments where everything else pauses and he takes a breath, no, it just keeps going because he, he can't stop being involved. It's, it's why I genuinely feel like there's so much more they could actually do with this idea because, like, just as a complete example, what kind of song would the Borg sing? Like, if they were if they were in this oh. kind of, like, thing, what would the Borg be doing? Oh. Would it be, like, EDM? Would it be something, like, akin to, like, Spock? Oh, wow. Like, and uh, not, just the, not just the Borg, but, like, others as well. Like, just, I'm, where, where I'm, would something it? I'm, I'm, more, I'm more or less imagining uh, 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 the Matrix, like, rave scene uh, <laughs> in Zion. Yes. Magic rave scene by Philip Glass. That's the board. Uh, the Queen I, on I, the I deck. Something the orchestral. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, many voices, but they all say the same thing. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, uh, depending on the representation. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a lot to unpack there when you think. That's about really it. interesting. Right. I mean, obviously we uh, we get to find out what the Klingon <laughs> song sounds like. <laughs> Join us next time for Night Terrors. TNG Season 4, Episode 17. Visit joyoftrek.com slash links to send us your recommendations, support us on Patreon, or to find us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to The Joy of Trek, and we'll see you out there.